Welcome to Fearless Mom. I have been preparing, planning, and praying for this specific lecture today since this summer. And so I hope that you are ready for me to spew a lot of words at you. Because in our family, we have benefited, we have learned so much about ourselves just from today's topic. So my prayer for you is that you are ready to receive what God has for you today. And because I really do believe that this topic in particular can be a game changer for us as moms. So first, we want to take a second and welcome in our online audience. Moms, wherever you are, we uh, pray the same for you, that you are ready to receive something today. And as we say all the time, whether you're watching with a group or even if you're watching by yourself, we want to remind you, you are not alone. We are cheering you on from Austin. Our prayer is that you feel us, that you feel our cheers, because one of the things we're about around here, we work hard to inspire and encourage and not to compete and compare. And so what happens a lot of times with women and women friendships and with moms, and I think in particular on social media, even when we're not aware of it, we are comparing and competing. And so we want to make that intentional shift to inspiring and encouraging. And so that's what we pray you feel from us if you are watching online. Um, I'd love to start with a word of prayer, mainly for myself so I can get settled um, in my brain before we get going because I'm so excited. So let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the gift of technology that allows us to reach out beyond the walls of the church. I thank you for every mom here, every mom watching, every family represented. I ask right now, God, that you do something only you can do, that you settle our hearts and our minds, that you open our eyes and our ears to hear and see what you want us to see today. Help us to be the moms you created us to be so we can raise the kids that you gave to us. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I think it goes without saying that there is no such thing as a perfect mom. And I often have to remind myself of that. And actually, I'm reminded a lot just because of some of the stuff sitting around our house. I recently was digging through my bedside table, and when I say digging through, I mean the drawer, the drawer would not close. It was so full. So I was literally digging through my bedside table, and I came upon this check. And this check was for Emily's lunch money when she was in eighth grade. It is from 2008, and so I took a picture of it, and I sent it to her, her senior year in college, and I said, Emily, do you still need this, honey? And her response was, bah, ha, 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 ha. Yes, we call that a hashtag mom fail. And so I didn't have to look much farther as I was preparing this week. I was in my kitchen, and I have a junk tray on top of my um, counter. Some of you may not be familiar with a junk tray. Maybe you have a junk drawer. But just a heads up, when your junk drawer is too full, you just put a tray on top of the counter right above the junk drawer, and so it just flows right onto the tray. And so here's the picture that I found 
down, sitting on top. And this was a great memory. We're going to show it up there. It's Emily and Joseph from Emily's first day of her dance lessons. Look at that. I mean, I documented it. Hey, that's right. I mean, I documented so little, so i got to get credit here. But... I was looking at this picture and I remember getting those ballet shoes and her being so excited to pick out her leotard and her tights and we went to the dance studio and we waited and I took pictures and we talked about what it would be like and time I you know felt was passing and I went up to the little desk where the woman you know took all the appointments and kept everybody organized and I said hey um, I'm Emily Richard it's easier Um, I'm Emily Richard's mom and she's supposed to have dance today and I'm just wondering you know what time it starts and she looked and she said actually no Emily has dance on Thursday and this was Tuesday I said, oh, that's so funny because we've been talking about it all day. So are you going to go tell her? (laughs) Yeah. So I had to go back out there and say, oh, Emily, remember dance? Mom made a mistake. Um, It's not actually today, but you can wear your leotard all day. You can wear it. Hashtag mom fail. Literally, the picture right under that one, yes, there's more was another mom fail of mine. This is a picture of Joseph. I want you to look carefully. Joseph is sitting in the exer saucer with his broken leg sticking out of the exer saucer. How did Joseph break his leg, you ask, at age 22 months? He jumped off his bed. Where was Joseph's mother at the time when the 22-month-old jumped off his bed? I was sitting right beside his bed folding laundry and I watched him jump and in hindsight now that I think about it his cry was a little louder than usual but you know Joseph didn't talk until he was three so he did not articulate to me that there was severe pain in his leg and so I you know told him to quit whining (laughs) don't be so dramatic um, it's so effective with a 22-month-old who has a broken leg. But, and so I remember picking him up and putting him on the couch. And in my memory, not a lot of time passed. But in reality, probably a lot of time passed. Um, and so I vividly remember, I don't know if any of you guys have ever had a child with a broken bone who does not talk yet. And so I'm twisting every joint. It's, it's terrible when I think back on it. It is. It's bad, but I'm trying to find the source of the discomfort. Okay? So I'm twisting his le- arms and legs. I'm trying to figure it out. And so I call the nurse. It may have been the next day. I'm not real sure. But I call the nurse and I think it was when I said well now that you mention it he hasn't put any weight on it for the last 24 hours she said maybe you want to bring him in for an x-ray and so yeah I took him in for that x-ray I'd love to tell you that that was the only time Joseph broke a bone and I told him to quit whining and um, he would love to tell you all the stories when he did break bones and I acted like it was no big deal but hashtag mom fail You see, when you guys look at those pictures, when I tell you those stories, I can laugh about it, but the truth is when I look at those pictures for a long time, I have to be very careful that that mom fail doesn't settle in my brain and become mom guilt. Because I can look at that picture and I can kind of laugh with you guys, but the truth is 
if I'm not careful, if I'm not intentional, I can begin to feel guilty about all of the mom fails I've made. And if I'm not careful, if I'm not intentional, that guilt settles in and begins to interfere with my current day parenting. Because the truth is, my mom guilt about the past will diminish my mom's strength in the present. Let's say that again. My mom guilt about the past will diminish my mom's strength in the present. So I have to actively guard against looking at those pictures and reminding myself of those mom fails. Good grief. The times that I blew things off that were a bigger deal and the times that I made a big deal out of something that I should have blown off. All of those mom fails if I'm not careful, can interfere with my parenting strength today. And if I'm not really careful, mom fails, then become mom guilt, and then becomes mom shame, which really paralyzes me and inhibits any forward progress. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about freedom from guilt and shame because we know that we were not created to live with guilt and shame as a matter of fact we've been going over this verse every week proverbs 31 25 she is clothed with strength and dignity she's clothed with what she is clothed with strength and dignity and because of that she laughs without fear of the future strength and dignity as opposed to fear and shame we were created we were designed to walk to parent with strength and with dignity so that we can raise children who walk with strength and dignity. And that's what we're about here. But we know that it takes someone strong to make someone strong. So we've been looking at what can I do to improve my own strength. Today we're looking at what can I do to improve and hang on to dignity. And so what I want to look at today, I want to start with those definitions of guilt and shame. If we look at it, guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. You see how with a parenting fail, with a mom fail, we say I made a parenting mistake. You know what? Maybe you made one this morning before breakfast. Welcome to the club. My children live far away and I can still make parenting mistakes before breakfast in my home. I'm an empty nester. How does that happen? I don't know. I keep asking myself the same thing. A parenting fail. A mom fail. I made a parenting mistake. But if I'm not careful, it lingers in my brain. It becomes I made a bad parenting mistake. One that will scar my child forever so that mom fail becomes mom guilt. And if I'm not careful, then it is I am a bad mom. And that's what we want to stay away from. I felt it. It is a real feeling. Mom guilt is real. Mom shame, it is real. But the good news is that we can fight against it. Brene Brown is a sociologist, and she studies fear and shame. She's an author. She's a speaker. She's an incredible teacher. And she studies specifically, she began her studies just studying fear and shame in women. And she says in all of her research, she has found every single person deals with shame. Every single one. But then she doesn't stop there. She says, the good news is, though, 
every single person can learn to and choose to develop shame resilience, coming back from the hit or the hurt or the disappointment. So that's what we want to do. We want to be intentional. We want to take responsibility. And I want to ask myself, I want you to ask yourself, where am I allowing myself to fall on this spectrum? Do I make a mom mistake? Do I make parenting mistakes? Absolutely. Um, If your baby is an hour old and you've not yet made a parenting mistake, then wait till hour two or hour three. You will make mom mistakes. There's great freedom in acknowledging that and recognizing that. And so I choose where my mind and heart stay on this spectrum. So I choose to stay here. I made a mistake. Or I'm here. Mom guilt. I made a bad mistake that's going to really scar my child forever. Or even here. I'm a bad mom. And so what we want to do is talk about how to recognize when you're lingering here and how to get back to, I made a mistake. I can choose to learn from it, grow from it, and tomorrow's a new day. Oh, I'm feeling guilty about it. I can tell I'm thinking about it too much. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to back up here and acknowledge I made a mistake. I'm going to learn from it, grow from it, and remember tomorrow's a new day. Or if you've been living over here for a while, And you find yourself thinking every day, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a bad mom. I'm not cut out for this. We want to say, God knows. He knows. You're not alone. And he says to you, I want to help you be the mom that you need to be. And so we want to help you get back over here, acknowledging your mistakes, but saying today's a new day, tomorrow's a new day. This is what happens when we allow guilt and shame to linger too long. Two things, I believe. Number one, our role as moms is to transfer responsibility. I accept responsibility for parenting my children, for helping them become independent, competent, strong adults. I accept that responsibility. My job as mom is to transfer that responsibility so that Emily, so that Joseph begins to then take responsibility for their choices and their actions. If I live in mom guilt and mom shame, it's hard to transfer because I watch Emily's poor choices, Joseph's poor choices, and I go, It's really my fault. It's my fault. Um, I didn't teach him enough. I didn't teach her enough. I parented poorly. So it's my fault. And so therefore, I'm not going to allow them to accept responsibility. You see how it interferes with the transfer? So that's why we have to make a conscious effort to acknowledge our mistakes and not allow them to turn into guilt because our guilt will interfere with the transfer of responsibility. The guilt and the shame will also make us feel isolated. We said last week and the week before, if you want to be strong, if you want to teach your kids to be strong, you've got to have some great relationships. And shame, the first thing shame does gets in your mind. It says, you're the only one, so you better keep it a secret. And that's just not true. But man, our minds are powerful. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a great thing, but we have to be aware when we are living there on this end of the spectrum and we're thinking, I can't say this out loud to anybody because look what shame is, the definition here. The feeling, everybody say feeling. The feeling, sorry, or belief, the feeling or belief that you are not worthy of love or acceptance. 
It is a fear of rejection. So shame is a feeling, a belief, or a fear. You see that it can be rooted in no truth. It's a feeling, a belief, or a fear. But that's when we begin to feel isolated. And shame and guilt can lead to depression like that because you don't want to say it out loud to anyone because you fear rejection. Well, we want to tell you that that's not how you were designed to live, that that's not God's desire for your life. As a matter of fact, he wants you to walk with dignity, and the definition of dignity is you are worthy of honor and respect. And one definition I love from one dictionary said, define dignity as the way you walk, you are walking as if you are worthy of honor and respect. So if you look at the definition of dignity, and we are striving to walk with dignity, it is a posture, it's a mindset, it's how we feel about ourselves. And so how do we get there? That's what we want to do. She is clothed with, she walks with strength and dignity. She doesn't feel shame, she feels worthy. There are days when I don't feel worthy. So this is what I want to remind everyone. Last week we talked about the importance of reminding yourself of truth every day. Pounding it into your brain. Hiding God's word in your heart so that it can come back to your mind when you're feeling guilt, when you're feeling shame. So I'm going to get this out of the way. You are enough. You are. You're the mom that God gave your children. You're the perfect mom for your children. You are enough, you are accepted, and you are loved. You are enough, you are accepted, and you are loved. And you are forgiven. You are enough, you are accepted, you are loved, you are forgiven. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are enough. Now turn to your other neighbor, and I need you to do it with a little more enthusiasm, okay? You are enough. Now look at me and say, I am enough. You are the mom that God wants for your children. There was a season in my relationship with Emily, and you guys, many of you saw her last week, and she is awesome. We have a fantastic relationship, and actually we had a great relationship through the teenage years, but there was a season in her life where I thought I'm not the right mom for her. She needs another kind of mom. Whatever it is, I'm not sure. I just know what I'm doing is not working. And see, I have to be reminded, God placed Emily in my home with me. So, oh yes, I am the right mom for Emily. You are the right mom for your children. You are enough. You are loved. You are accepted. You are forgiven. I love John 3.16. It's one of the most... Um, quoted verses in scripture but I have a version up here that I want us to read together and I want you to read it with me and I want you to put your name in the blank so I'm going to wait for it to come up for this is how God loved say your name start from the beginning and say your name in there for this read it with me is how God loved he gave his one and only son 
so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. If you were the only person on earth, God would have given his son for you. If you were the only one, you are enough. He says you are worthy. You are so worthy that I gave my son for you. So no matter how you feel, no matter what you believe, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been told, the truth of the matter is God says you are worthy. You are worthy of love, so much love that he gave his only son for you. I think there's another verse that's important if we're going to move on from guilt and shame. Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. Everybody say, no condemnation. There is no condemnation. That means God does not condemn you. Others cannot condemn you for mistakes that you have made. If you walk in relationship with Christ Jesus, he says, your sins are forgiven, your mistakes are forgiven. I can make good out of all your mistakes. As a matter of fact, there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. So therefore, I cannot, I should not choose to beat myself up and punish myself over mistakes I made as a mom. That's my choice where I live on the spectrum. And I am bound and determined to raise children with relational strength. And living with guilt and shame does damage to your relationships. So if I want to raise children with relational strength, I must choose to have relational strength myself. So I have to choose to live here in the mom fail. Yes, I made a mistake but I'm going to work hard to do better tomorrow. Because I think that's the tension that we have to balance. Um, our first, we talked a lot about embracing responsibility, the responsibility of being a mom. But I wanted to say too that we are fearless mom. Value number one is to eliminate shame. Eliminate shame. We work hard to create a guilt-free, judgment-free, shame-free zone here where you can feel safe to say, I'm struggling in my marriage. I'm struggling with my two-year-old. I actually have no idea what to do with my preteen. I actually don't even like one of my children. This is a safe place for you to say that. There is no shame here. We won't tell your kids, okay? Top secret, mum's the word. There's no guilt here. There's no shame here. We've been there, but we don't stay there. We work to get out of it. And I think that's the, the rub or the tension that we have to manage. It is working with eliminating shame, certainly don't live and wallow in your guilt and say, yes, I make mistakes, but we can't just go, oh, well, I make mistakes. I'll probably make some more tomorrow. Good luck, kids. Hope you find the bus stop, you know, or hope it works out for you. I'm doing the best I can. Oh, well, we can't live there. See, that's why we put numbers one and two, eliminate shame and embrace responsibility. Because what we're doing is we're, it's not really finding a balance so much as, as managing the tension between the two. Because even though, yes, I make mistakes on a regular basis, I learn from my mistakes, I grow from my mistakes, I apologize for my mistakes, and I'm going to try and embrace the responsibility and do better tomorrow. Yes, there was a time, as a matter of fact, I'm literally picturing it 
it in my mind right now, when I was yelling um, our uh, house when the kids were in elementary school, the front door was on the ground level and the kids' bedrooms were downstairs because we lived on a hill. And so I would gently holler over when I knew the bus was coming, the bus is coming! Uh Uh-huh. Great parenting fail. Um, So I'm yelling, and and, and I know it's not right, and I know it's not going to help anybody get to the bus stop on time, but I'm feeling a little rage. And so I'm yelling over the thing, and then I would pray, God, please don't let my neighbors that I just invited to church um, hear me yelling over the rail. But guess what? It wasn't okay for me just to say, you know what? I have a temper. It's just the way I was created. I have, you know what? I am not going to live in that shame. I'm going to embrace the responsibility, take responsibility, use self-control, and do better tomorrow. It's possible that I'll make the same mistake again, but I don't just, oh, well, it's just the way I was made. So we balance that tension. We eliminate shame and we embrace responsibility at the same time. So that being said, I know I'm created to walk in strength and dignity. I know I'm created. God does not desire for me to live and walk and parent in shame. So how am I going to get rid of it? How am I going to find that dignity? So step number one, be aware, be aware of your own thoughts and feelings. I put in parentheses here, recognize your shame triggers. What's so interesting about studying to teach about shame is that I really was hoping that I could just stay on the surface and learn a lot to share with y'all and teach you and help you be a better mom. But the truth was the more I read about it, the more I discovered about my own life. And I'm going to say it wasn't always pretty around our house as I studied more and more. Poor Mac, you may want to pray for him. Um, One day he walked in. I had been reading so much. He came in, and I'm not even sure what was said. And I'm just sobbing. I do not cry. I did not cry when either of my children were born. I mean, I, you know, I love them dearly. I cried when my mother left. Um, but I, 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 I'm, I'm just not an emotional person. Emily says I have a heart of stone. I, I just, I, I don't cry a lot. And so Mac was just like, what? Are you okay? Are you? I'm fine. I'm just reading about shame. And I'm recognizing I have a lot of shame in my life. And he's like, oh my gosh. And he goes, there anything I can do? No, no, there's nothing you can do. I'm apologizing. I'm a horrible wife. I'm sorry. You know, it, it took me a little while to recover. Um, and so I'm glad that I studied months ago because it's taken me that long to get where I can talk about it to, to y'all. So I'm just going to leave some of the stories out, but I am going to share some of what um, I learned. But when we talk about being aware of your own thoughts and feelings, I couldn't teach it to y'all unless I became aware of my own thoughts and feelings. And one thing that research shows is that women, the top two things that women struggle with when it comes to shame, and remember Brene Brown says in her research, everybody struggles with shame at some point or another, um, are, you could probably guess them, body image, body image, and parenting. Isn't it amazing? Body image and parenting. But if you think about it, that kind of makes sense, um, that we are in a world where there are images of what the typical or of the, what desirable appearance should look like, and yet we know we're all created uniquely. And so I'm like, where did that come from? And I'm not one to blame culture or blame society, but I think we'd be ignorant if we didn't at least address the fact that culture says that each generation, if you study it, you see that the desirable appearance 
is one body type and you don't have to if you have three friends and if there's a group of four women you probably got four different body types four different looks and so we know that intellectually but we all struggle with trying to meet whatever we believe the desirable appearance is. So we know that's a real thing. And then the parenting. You know, my kids are 22 and 20, and and when I talk about, you know, we're raising our goals to raise independent, competent, strong kids, our kids are pretty much there. But as I began to read, I began a lot of things began to surface. And, um, and so we would have some family discussions, and my kids are so sweet. But I was talking to Emily about this one that I remembered, a shame trigger and so what I mean by that is if you can remember times when you maybe were a little irrational in your response or maybe hyper emotional I'll give you an example I joke all the time about how I don't cook I have a plaque in my kitchen that says I made my favorite thing for dinner tonight reservations you know I I am not I don't cook all the time I'm okay with that now to be sure, when my children were little, I did cook. But I joke about not cooking all the time. So what do my children think? That I never cook. So Emily innocently makes a statement. Well, it's not like mom's going to cook. Well, all of a sudden I felt something well up within me. My neck got splotchy. I could feel my face getting red. And so I look at her and I go, excuse me? Uh, who do you think made your favorite chicken and wild rice every week when you were little? And Joseph, don't you be laughing over there. That tortellini with Parmesan, every day. Every day, buddy. So, oh, yes, I did cook. I'm so sorry that I'm a failure as your mother, that I obviously did everything wrong. Excuse me. And I left the room. <laughs> as I read about shame triggers... This story came to my mind. And so I said to Emily this week as I was preparing because I knew I was going to tell this story. I said, Emily, remember that time? I said, I don't even know if you remember. She goes, oh, I remember. (laughs) I said, was it like a year or two ago? She goes, no, I was 14. And she still remembers. That's right. That's how I overreacted. (laughs) That was my over-emotional response. That was a shame trigger for me. And my family learned. And we've never joked about mom's cooking again. (laughs) My poor family, though. I joked about it all the time. But when they said it, I felt like a terrible mom. I felt like, you know, I wasn't enough for them. They wanted to be in somebody else's family. My kids couldn't care less about my cooking. But that's what I heard, and that's what I felt. That was a shame trigger. Now, you probably don't have to think long to think about a shame trigger about body image. I remember I was in college, so innocent. But I was in college, and I was trying on clothes in a dressing room. I can picture it right now. And someone said, you want to try a bigger size? I mean, I start sobbing. <laughs> Irrational response, just for the record. But I recognize now that was a shame trigger for me. And so I recognize, gosh, even though I would tell you I'm confident, I feel good about my parenting, I've got a great marriage, I'm you know, 47, I'm comfortable with who God created me to be, even then, 
I know, now that was years ago, that was when I was in college, but I know that's a weak area for me. I know that I have to be on the lookout and that I have to be aware. Am I feeling that welling up within inside me? And that's what Brene Brown says. When you start to recognize your shame triggers, everybody's different. So maybe you have a physical response. Maybe you do, I get splotchy, just FYI. Um, And so maybe you get splotchy. Maybe your mouth gets dry. Maybe your heart starts racing. Maybe you start crying uncontrollably. Whatever that emotional or physical response is, when we look, when we're aware of our thoughts and feelings, I can say, okay, you know what? I'm being irrational. I'm being irrational. I'm living here in shame and guilt instead of, you know what? It is what it is. And I, I don't even know. I don't even think... You know, when it comes to whatever size you should try on, that th- there's any mistake or anything in there. But I choose to live in the shame or I choose to be aware of my feelings, recognize my shame triggers. One thing I've learned is that if you do have a sensitive area in your life, um, I was reading um, a book about it and they were listing areas that women feel shame about. Some of us would look at those areas and go, why would you ever feel shame about that? But we can't judge someone else's shame. There is shame. People have it in their lives for you know, things that they can't even control, something that happened to them. Maybe a decision someone else made. Shame about a parent's decision. Shame about a crime that was perpetrated on them. Why should someone feel shame about that? We would look at it and go, what? But it's real to them. And we have to be sensitive and be aware that maybe it's not creating shame for me, but maybe that is for someone else. Some people struggle with infertility. There is shame sometimes associated with that. Sometimes not. Some people struggle with um, their weight. And some people feel shame. Some people don't. Some people struggle with, I had a roommate who was, she couldn't gain weight. And she had shame about that. And I'm like, are you joking me right now? You know, but, but that was not the right response to her. See, it was real to her. But I couldn't relate. And so I thought it was ridiculous. I'm like, well, are you joking me? That would be so awesome, you know. But it's not awesome to her. And so we have to recognize our shame triggers and we have to be sensitive that others may have shame triggers too because shame is directly related to relational strength. And we've said relationships are important. And so we need to be aware of not only ours but our friend's shame triggers. My poor family, it is kind of funny when I think about that though. But the next one, don't assume or assign thoughts and feelings to other. So you have to be aware of your own thoughts and feelings. So I know what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, when I'm feeling um, guilt, shame, whatever. But then I can't assume or assign feelings to others or thoughts to others. We do this. We do this a lot, actually. Let's say that Deanne Wilson, who's on our staff, let's say that I'm walking out going over to the kids' building, and I pass her, and I say, hey, Deanne, and she walks by me. Well, maybe she was had a grimace on her face. Maybe Deanne was thinking about something else entirely. But I see her grimace, and now I go, oh. our minds responsively, not even on purpose, it's a reflex, create 
a reason or a source of the discomfort. If I felt uncomfortable when I saw that face she made, if I felt um, uh, hurt or um, disappointed by that, then my mind naturally now creates a scenario to try to find, a fi- to try to find the source of the discomfort. So then I would say, <gasps> she's mad at me. She's mad. Oh my, why would she be mad at me? Oh my gosh, did I reply to her text yesterday? She's mad at me because I didn't text her back. So now I'm mad at her. I can't believe she'd be so sensitive. I mean, my word, I can't believe she would be so sensitive and make a face at me because I did not reply to her text yesterday. I've created a whole scenario, and now when I see Deanne, I'm going to go, good to see you too. Mm-hmm. I am now going to interact with her based on a false scenario. We do it all the time. We assign and assume thoughts and feelings to others. Um, it's so funny because I've, I used to say this all the time. Emily came home one year. She just was convinced the PE teacher when she was in third grade. The PE teacher did not like her. She hates me. I said, you know what? I bet she does. I said, what time is it? Mm, all the teachers are together. They're all talking about you. She's telling, she was putting thoughts and feelings. So I would tell her, Emily, there's no truth to that. There's no, what makes you think that? Well, she, I go, oh, honey, you're putting, so I would tell Emily, because Emily was often putting thoughts and feelings into other people's minds, um, and she would then behave as if that person was thinking or feeling that, and so I told her that a lot. Well, so as I was preparing and I was walking through the outline with her, she said, oh my gosh, mom, I, this just happened to me. This literally just happened to me. So I said, what happened? And she said, She and one of her good friends, they've been friends since freshman year, they have a class together, and they had decided on this project that they would, that the teacher let them write down who they wanted to work with and one or two that they didn't want to work with. So they said in the classroom, hey, are you going to put me? I'll put you. Yeah, let's put each other. Okay, great, fine. Well, Emily hears, now they're, they're put together, they're in the same group. Another friend of Emily's says to Emily, I am so mad at her at the other girl, at Ashley. And Emily said, why are you mad? She goes, she did not want to work with you on that project. I heard that. Somebody told me that actually she put down that she didn't want to work with you. I don't know. You know how girls are. So somebody had heard something, had misunderstood it. Then they told this person, they told her. And then she now was coming to Emily's defense and said, I am so mad at her for you. And so Emily began to think. She got She said, Mom, I started thinking, well, now I'm mad at her. And she doesn't even know it, and I don't really even know if it's true. And so I started thinking, it's not fair to her for me to be rude to her, because that was probably going to happen. It's not fair to her for me to be mad at her, and she doesn't even know why, and I don't even know if it's true. I said, well, what'd you do? She said, I went to her room. They live um, in the sorority house. She said, I went up to her room, and I said, hey, can I ask you something? And Ashley said, sure. And she said, did you not want to work with me on this project? And Ashley said, no, remember, we talked about it. And Emily said, that's what I thought, but I, somebody thought that you didn't, and they told so-and-so, and they told so-and-so, and finally it got back to me. You see, they were assuming and assigning feelings, and here's this friendship who had been going on since freshman year, and now they were about to not be friends anymore. We do it all the time. We do it in our marriage. I have the biggest fights with Mac when he is nowhere around. I mean, I can blame him. I am furious with him. He has no idea. 
He has no idea what's going on. I assume and assign things to him, and I am thinking, I bet he's going to come home and blah, blah, blah. He ain't even doing anything. And then by the time he gets home, I'm furious. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And he's like, oh, long day? Yeah. <laughs> We do it all the time. We assign thoughts to our husband. And I'm angry with him about something that hadn't even happened. How about this? We do this a lot. We text or we email. We don't get a response. She's mad. She is so mad at me. I cannot believe she hadn't replied yet. We text every minute. She still hadn't replied. It's been eight minutes. Yeah. She has four children. So what? Yeah. She has not replied. She's mad at me. I knew it. I knew it. She is so dramatic. Yeah, and we create this whole scenario. Guilt and shame and emotional and relational strength affects every area of our life. We've got to, the next one, deal with what is real. Deal with what is real. Be aware of your own thoughts and feelings. Don't assume and assign thoughts and feelings to other people. And deal with what is real. I'll tell you another thing when it comes to parenting. We always think people are watching us and evaluating our parenting. The odds are no one even knew you were in the room. But let's say I go pick up my child. Let's say my child is six months old. I hear the teacher say to the mom in front of me, she is adorable about her child. Now I come to pick up my child. She says nothing. She hands me the diaper bag. My child was terrible today. She thinks I'm a horrible mom. She doesn't like my child. I can't come back here. Because you know what she pays? That teacher, she pays all the attention to that little girl over there. And I bet my kid's in a swing the whole time. I'm going to check right now, make sure they change his diaper. Because I don't think they... We create this whole scenario. And we are super sensitive when it comes to parenting. One time, Matt, bless his heart, um, was teaching about parenting. And so he was doing all this research. Well, needless to say, the children were like, you know, eight and six at this time. I'm a little sensitive about being a good mom. And we are sitting at the table eating dinner. And he says, um, you know, I read that if kids watch TV, that their brains are literally not active at all while they're watching TV. My kids watched a lot of TV. Just FYI. <laughs> FYI. Um, and so, I mean, it comes up, I get splotchy, and then vomit all over him. Well, Barney is educational. And you know what? Emily wouldn't even know her shapes if it weren't for Barney. And that is so ridiculous because I'm telling you, Joseph hadn't said a word, but he can do his Spanish alphabet or he can count to 10 in Spanish. And I know it's because of TV. And so I don't know where you read that, but that is wrong. And I'm a good mom. <laughs> he was like, oh my, I was just telling you something I read. I was just a little overreactive because I'm sensitive about being a good mom. Y'all can laugh, but you've done it too. Don't act like I'm the only one, okay? And so what we have to do is take a step back, be aware of my own thoughts and feelings, don't assume or assign. I totally, in my mind, Matt had been praying about how to approach me about that. And that he has been wanting to talk to me about how much the children watch TV. I created an entire scenario. And he's like, what were we even talking about? You know, But don't assume or assign. And then just deal with what is real. And guess what? Sometimes we do make mistakes. There were times when my kids watched a little bit too much TV. They're very resilient. But the good news is that even our mistakes can be used for good. And so that's why I want to hang on to this verse, Romans 8, 28. 
And we know that God causes everything, say everything, everything, say everything, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God works good in everything. In God's economy, nothing is wasted. Not a mistake, not a tragedy, nothing. Everything can be used for good, for his glory and for our good. I have to embrace that truth because I will make mom fails. I apologize. I take responsibility. I say I will be better and stronger tomorrow. I'm telling you this. I'm passionate about this topic because in these few months that I've been studying it, I've watched my marriage change. And I would have told you, my marriage didn't need to change. I have a great marriage. Mac and I have been married 25 years. But as I studied about body image and I began to examine my own thoughts and feelings and I began to not assign or assume thoughts and feelings to him, and I began to deal with what is real, I thought, you know what? I can walk with strength and dignity. And guess what's the most attractive type of woman? A woman who walks with strength and dignity, no matter what her body shape or body type. It is a woman who walks with confidence. And so I began to feel that as I read it. I began to get stronger. I began to feel empowered. I watched my relationship with my husband get better, and I didn't even know it could get better. I thought it was great to begin with. I bought a bikini. Um, And so mm -hmm, I did. I'm like, you know what? I mean, we're 25 years. I'm in my backyard. Who sees me? And except for he was giddy. You see, I mean, it's because I had that confidence. And so I am like, that's right. I got me another one. Um, and so I, I, I'm like, you know, who knew? Who knew that that was living inside of me and I didn't even know it? And so examine your thoughts and feelings. And then I began to, my friendships were easier because somebody wouldn't text me back and I'll go, you know what? I bet she was at a stoplight, read it, and then didn't get back to it. I'll just text her again. See, I quit assigning and assuming. It changed. It just made life easier. I was more peaceful. I wasn't worried about my kids. I was hanging on to, oh, God's going to use even that mistake for his glory and their good. It's okay. And they forget a lot. That is awesome. They don't remember most of the mistakes. Shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. Shame is like mold. It grows in the dark. Shame cannot live out loud. Shame cannot live. Bringing shame into the light, saying it out loud, dissipates the shame. And so what we want, you to, encourage, we want to encourage you to do is share. Share. Be wise and discerning. Okay? Maybe you're not going to tell us your entire life story today. You know? But, but don't be afraid of being rejected. Maybe you need to share with your husband. Maybe you need to share with your best friend. Maybe you need to share with a counselor. Maybe you need to share with one of our facilitators privately. But get it out in the open. Bring it into the light. Shame cannot live in the light. And you are honest and authentic with everyone. But you are transparent with precious few. Be very careful who you're totally transparent with. Be wise and discerning. We can do this, guys. We can be strong. We can walk with dignity. We can walk with a confident posture, not because we've got it all together, but because God lives within us and wants to help us be the moms he's created us to be. We can do it. We can be strong. We can be brave. We can do the work to dig deep. It's not always fun, but it's worth it. 
because what a great responsibility to raise a generation of leaders and not followers, to raise a generation of strong kids. I'm excited about what I believe you're going to learn about yourself this week as you digest this, as you put it into practice in your life. I can't wait to hear about it. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for this this truth. I thank you for the study that so many people have done trying to help women live and walk and parent in freedom. God, we thank you that you are the ultimate source of freedom, that it is because of you that we can be set free from the guilt, from the shame. Thank you, God, for being you, a God of love, a God of peace, a God of hope, a God of joy. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.